Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Fin Podcast. I'm your host, Sean. Uh, my co-host, Susie, is uh, taking tonight off again. Uh, she should be back next week, so uh, looking forward to having her back on. Uh, but I just wanted to tell you guys I'm super happy uh, we're, we're getting the Noobs Tournament for March uh, fired up. That should be uh, – it's live on Tourney X right now. By the time this show airs, uh, we will be in the thick of March. and uh, Well, actually, the very beginning of March, but uh, the tournament will be on its way then. Um, so hopefully uh, you guys will get signed up. We still we have a few people signed up now. Um, the more the merrier. So make sure you go, guys go out and check that out on uh, Tourney X. If you want to get, uh, you know, if you miss the March uh, one, uh, we're going to have them every month from now, probably till October. So um, don't feel bad if you miss the first one. We'll have plenty of opportunities for you guys to sign up and, and kind of compete there. But um, all that being said, uh, I'm super excited about tonight's guest. Uh, Way back in July of 2020 is the last time he was on the show. Uh, Ryan was still here uh, uh, doing the new show with me. And um, I feel like the whole world has changed since the last time he was on. So I reached out to him and uh, asked if he would be kind enough to come back on and uh, join the new show again. And we can catch up with him. 
Um, but I figured he, he, he uh, actually gave me a really cool video. So I figured rather than me try to mince words and uh, get that all right, I'd, I'd let the video do the talking for me. So without further ado, I'm going to use this video to introduce our guest. Signature Gate Systems and Welding Company. Let's try that again. I got to uh, restart it here. Uh, let's see. How do I do that? Is it going to let me? Mm -mm, there it is. All right. Bear with me, guys. Thanks for the technical difficulties. Ah. The Apex Pro Tour, a part of Wild West Bass Trail, is brought to you by P-Line, because we fish. Lithium Pros, the one battery you need. Dish, tuned in to you. Signature Gate Systems and Welding Company. Duo Realis and Lithium Pro David Swinside is the true freshman of the league. Relentlessly chasing a 25-year-old dream to fish professionally, David made his debut with Apex in 2021. He has coined the saying, perseverance confines failure, frees genius, and arms the soul. Known for inventing and naming the tournament technique called spy baiting, the pro has proven its effectiveness, and his perseverance has paid off with not one, but two Apex Top 10 finishes in 2022. Look for this pro to continue his dream in 2023. All right. So welcome back to the noob show, David. Sorry, I messed that up. I, 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 I bet you I practiced that tw 10 times before you came on. And uh, of course, the one time I need to do it live and I screwed up. <laughs> well, those guys at least hopefully got past that funny looking guy in there anyways. And <laughs> that's the real juice of the meat of the, the show. So, yeah. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Apex is just it's it's the most awesome pro tour uh, that um, that I've been ever exposed to. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have lots of friends in the in in the MLF and FLW and Bassmaster for a long time, and and I have so much respect for Bassmaster, my favorite institution. <clears throat> but uh, the guys in charge of the Apex Pro Tour, they've just, I mean, they've sacrificed so much to make this happen, and the hammers that are on that league are unprecedented. I mean, <clears throat> unprecedented. We're talking U.S. Opens champions. FLW champions, MLF champions, Bassmaster elite, top finishers, Bassmaster champions, one bass, and it just goes on. So, excuse me, I'm competing with some, I mean, just some monsters. And uh, every day that I survive on that water is, <laughs> is, is, a, is, a, is, a, is a great, great thing for me. And, and I'm loving every second of it. Um, some of those guys are really good friends now, and, and I have a lot of, a lot of mad respect for them. But <clears throat> it's 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 been a dream of mine for sure to to move into this session. I, I wish I could have done it at the age of you know 19 or 20, but uh but I'm here now. And so uh the nose is down and, and the hard work begins. So I'm excited. Now I, I've I've heard about a uh some some things about Apex and I I think I've heard you talk about it on some other podcasts and stuff, and it it almost seems more like uh the Iron Man of uh fishing tournaments because some of some of those things are pretty intense, like the time and the 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 length of these uh events yeah we just had what in fact in fact you mentioned the ironman um we had an event uh called the spartan 580 which was um really a uh 
a way that we could extend our hearts and minds to Leslie and, and Aaron Martin's, that family, and, and all the accomplishments that Aaron um, uh, was so successful at, 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 at doing, and having that come forth and be um, really our motivator for this event. So we had what they called the Spartan 580, which was slated for nine days of continuous fishing. <clears throat> we got called off the water one day, so we weren't able to 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 com complete it in that regard. Uh, but um, eight days is still straight on. I'm going to tell you, your hands are bleeding. Um, there's there's definitely like mechanical issues. All of a sudden, you find pain in places that you <laughs> never knew, <clears throat> and uh, and then you wake up again and do it again. And and the guys that persevered and made it to that to that final top 10 or top nine in that event. Um, I have so much, I was lucky enough to make it too, but I have so much respect for those guys because they got up every morning. It's one thing to fish one day. And then it's another thing to fish three days. You know, when you fish three days, you've been on, you, you, you I mean, you've worked hard and someone tells you, wake up and go another three days, you know, you're scratching your head going, what the heck? So we battled <laughs> everything, wind, rain, um, eight foot waves, you know, I mean, we battled everything out there. <clears throat> so it was really Hopefully it was, you know, a testament to our admiration for the Martins family and for all the things that Aaron did. Aaron was, um, as many know, he was a duo Realis uh, pro, um, which we were so grateful to have. But he was also a, a friend of mine for over 25 years. And uh, <clears throat> we had this little pack going on that one day we would work together and and do lure development. And, and we'd sit at a show and repeat that statement um, at every show. And eventually that, that dream did come true. So um, I'm, I'm really blessed to have had, had five minutes with him and he's phenomenal, mind, body, soul, uh, just, just phenomenal. So that Spartan 580 was a way, a tribute to him. And um, I'm gonna tell you, it was so funny cause we were gonna call that event, the Ironman of bass fishing. That's where okay. we were headed. <clears throat> and I was looking up and looking word searching. I found another institution that's came up with it uh, uh, basically about three weeks after we did. And so we, we separated from it and we thought, well, who's an, who's somebody that endures, who's somebody that goes to the line and, and, you know, the, the history of, of the Spartans. So that's where we, uh, that's where we um, created that from, but it, yeah, it, it was an amazing event. Absolutely amazing. That's, it sounds intense. And, you know, I, you know, I say I love fishing and I, I'd be like, yeah, I do that. Probably, you know, sometime around day six when your hands are bleeding and you're just beat to heck, then, you know, I'd probably be like, all right. Yeah. All right. Eight days. That's, that's, that's a stretch, you know? Yeah. The funny thing was funny and odd, but funny, also hilarious. I, I, uh, I unfortunately caught uh, COVID at the end, but oh. what was kind of funny was I was already in the mode, you know, tired, lethargic, getting up and, and try to make the next day last um, even better. Um, and you're really trying to execute um, as best as possible because you know the time that you have on the water is valuable. And as that was going on, I was, you know, I ran a temperature and all that kind of stuff. But but I would just put on clothes and drink a bunch of fluid and jump in bed and sweat it out. And then I'd go at it again. And it wasn't <laughs> until the last day that I was like, well, you know what? I'm kind of having complications breathing. Oh. And I decided to check myself and I do not recommend that folks. If you're feeling <laughs> ill, go see the doctor for sure. <clears throat> it's funny that you say that it, it almost makes you sound like, uh, you know, I was so beat down, you know, when I got COVID, I almost felt better, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> but, uh, well, that's, that's interesting that, uh, that definitely would make it even tougher. So that's even a more of a Testament that you survived and made it into the top 10 or top nine, 
Um, that's that's pretty impressive. So, so um, what else is, have you been up to since uh, for the last two years? I mean, I I'm, I know you've been busy watching your. You're probably oh my goodness, you're the energy level that you have and the the, the amount of different projects that you're in is is uh, it's crazy. I I'm tired just watching it. So. <laughs> Well, 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 thank you. I really, I really do mean that. Um, <clears throat> as folks know, I, I love fishing. I mean, I just, it, it's, it's really, it's really in my soul. Um, and then sometimes that's an awesome thing. And sometimes that can come and bite you in the rear. But um, in that, <clears throat> you know, the, all the partners and even, you know, my job, all those folks benefit from that um, enthusiastic and uh, almost kind of dreamy state I get into with this sport card called bass fishing. And I, I, I probably told the story too many times, but <clears throat> I'm a city slicker. I was actually born on the streets of Chicago. So for me to get to water uh, was, was an oddity. And I went from Chicago to didn't have the greatest family life and went to Chicago to LA <clears throat> and, and was in the throes of LA downtown, you know, basically. And, and, uh, and out started the, the family challenges there too. But uh, for some reason I, I was spared in those experiences and eventually ended up with a family that decided to take me fishing. And uh, and I'm going to tell you, I, I, I honestly was terrified. I, they, they set me in this on this chair and they kind of said, you stay here and you fish. And I knew nothing, nothing about fishing. <clears throat> and I happened to find the, uh, the line. And, and all of a sudden, all I know is there's something on the end. Well, I thought it was a possessed you know demon or something i didn't know it was actually a fish and i'm running back up the bank and dragging this poor bluegill about 100 yards up the bank and they unhooked it and put it in a five gallon bucket and i i guarantee you i stayed and watched that fish swim in circles until probably two in the morning i was so mesmerized by that experience and that really i have to say is what kicked it off a family took um their time and their energy uh their compassion to give, uh, you know, really the city slicker, I could tell you whatever you wanted to know about asphalt and concrete, but <laughs> they, they really did um, take me under their wing for that, for that weekend. And, and that solidified my, my interest in, in fishing by far. I mean, that was the, the biggest experience. That's awesome. And I, I think that that just shines through in, in the way you talk about fishing to this day, you know, you know, you can almost see that, that love that just continues. And, and that's, I mean, to be honest, that's why I started doing this show was to, to share, to try and get other people to feel about fishing, how I feel about fishing. And, and I, I feel like that's, you know, a motivation that you carry too, because it, the, just the way you are, are as passionate as you are about it, uh, it kind of shines through. So. And, and it is a difficult sport. We, uh, we fishermen can appreciate each other. You're out there fishing in the kayak, and all of a sudden I see you skip a jig underneath a tree, and you and you whack this bass. I'm inside, just bubbling and popping and bursting, and and but you know my wife is kind of like that's 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 great, honey. That's I'm glad you're having that experience. And so I know that the rest of the world, it's really hard to articulate our passion necessarily. The rest, it's easy to capture on film a wide receiver running, you know, uh, four, three forty, and then jumping in the air and catching a ball that we can see and illuminate in us in a sport. And the same thing with like professional soccer, you can watch these guys juke each other and you can kind of live that experience. But in fishing, you have to really almost have this empathic viewpoint to even get started to appreciate what this guy is doing, standing or sitting in his boat for eight hours casting a thousand times and he's catching two fish wow that sounds exciting you know what i mean so <laughs> so it's 
it's those little teeny pieces, those just those brilliant experiences that you have that you can you relive through other people. And I say that all the time. I'm I'm always going to be a student of this game. I, I know I've developed some things and and been blessed enough to to put those forward. But the truth of the matter is, every time the water ripples, I'm learning. Anytime the guy gets out there, I, I'm learning. Um, and and there's so many different facets, as you know. There's competitive angling. There's trophy hunting. There's just getting out on the weekend. There's lure collecting. There's all these little facets to fishing that you can dive into for sure. It's it's um, that's what I'm. I, I guess I'm in love with for sure. Uh, and I think you know, yeah, it's the same bug that I have. And you know, I feel like it, you know, if you could get somebody to to experience it just one time. You know, you literally get hooked, just like the fish get hooked. You know, that's a, that's why I think that's a, a, a good term for that, because uh, it's what happened to me. And, you know, I've seen it happen to people as I introduce them to it and, and, and get them to have those experiences. Then it they definitely want to come back for more. So, yeah, I'm with you. <clears throat> I'll go wherever you go on that one, bro. It's 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 really it's truthful. It's awesome. Well, um, so uh, I know uh, when we first had, had you on, we really focused a lot on spy baits. And and I, I was telling David before the show, um, he was nice enough to share uh, a few with Ryan and I. And um, I still have half of the ones he gave me. Um, one of them I snagged and lost. The other one, it was an interesting uh, story. I was uh, at our local lake and um, an testament to how well these cast. <laughs> I uh, somehow managed to cast mine up onto an overpass. Uh, so uh, I was going for a bomb cast, just trying to get as much distance in it so I could have a, a nice long retrieve. And uh, I actually threw it way further than I anticipated and uh, threw it up on an overpass. I initially I was worried that I might've hit a car, but it never took off. So I don't think I hit a car up there, but I definitely uh, snagged and broke it off when I was trying to pull it back down over the edge of the, the bridge. But uh so, um, but yeah, so I have had luck. I actually, um, I've caught four bass this year so far out of probably 10 trips. Um, it's been cold, but, um, the spy bait is responsible for two of those bass. Um, nice. and it, it really, uh, it, it was almost like a kind of a silly moment because, um, I had been throwing a blade bait a ton and, um, the way I was told to fish a blade bait was to drop it on the bottom, lift it up so it vibrates and then drop it again and just repeat back to the boat. And, um, the place where I was fishing has, um, a lot of vegetation right on the bottom. So it would come back, um, and I'd have to clean it off. Like I maybe get maybe halfway through my retrieve and it would stop vibrating and I'd know, oh crap, it has some, you know, gunk on it and I got to pull it back and clean it off. And, Finally, I was sitting there like tired of cleaning off my my hooks. And I was like, I got to there's there's got to be something else. And I was like, wait a second, I can use a spy bait and maybe, you know, I, I'll count it down and then I'll know I'll, I'll be right above that stuff. Yeah. But I'll and 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 as soon as I did it, probably I bet you maybe five casts and I, I, I caught my uh first fish that day on on the spy bait. And then I just caught another one the last time I went out on it. So, oh, um, nice. yep. So I, I, I kind of kicked myself for not thinking of it thinking of it sooner. Um, but, uh, um, it definitely has been good and I like it cause you know, one of the things with, uh, at least our weather here in Pennsylvania in, in this time of year is it's always super windy. And so this, uh, the spy bait does cast well for me through the wind, you know, it's, it's not something that, you know, I have trouble casting, um, uh, as evidenced by being able to chuck it up on an overpass <laughs> that, that may have been wind assisted, but no, that was actually, um, uh, a while ago. So I think I've gotten a little more accustomed to, uh, casting them, but, uh, 
but I, <laughs> I know, um, I just wanted to tell, uh, focus on that a little bit real quick, just to yeah. kind of give folks a, 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 a general t- uh, kind of overview of them. Cause I, I thought it was a really good and off, I think an often overlooked, or at least, uh, I mean, maybe a good, well-kept secret, you know? At this well, well, and it really is. I, I, you know, and maybe your listeners, um, which you have a great bunch of listeners too, and interactors, but, um, you know, maybe you can refer them back to that, to, to that show as well, or that episode, um, where they can kind of extrapolate what they feel would be valuable for them. But you know, I, I say this, I really start with this, and I mean this wholeheartedly. When I started with this whole idea of spy baiting, it came from a finesse application. And I have to give uh, several people uh, credit for this, but one of them uh, most people know is Don Iovino, who t- he, he introduced doodling and some of these other light line finesse techniques. But I don't think people really knew how much he was shaking worms in a suspended fashion. And that's really what got me in thinking about this. Um, And I used to do this Western shaking. Um, I'm going to probably be talking to some publications about that in depth, Um, just that whole technique. I mean, I did that as a kid, but we would shake worms 15 over 30 feet. We would shake worms 8 over 15 and isolate uh, the bait. And the bait, we use different types of, uh, of plastics to do this. But the idea was to get something that looks super fragile and all on its own. And the funny thing was shaking a worm 15 over 30, it's a long, tedious process. If people think spy baiting takes a long time, they haven't seen nothing yet. (laughs) You go out to, you know, a corner or a bluff wall and post spawn and you know, there's fish in that area, but what you're trying to do is catch the big fish. So you shake over this bluff wall and you get the five, the eight, the nine pound fish that comes up and eats this little four inch, six inch, three inch bait, but that's isolated. looks like it's swimming on its own. So that was the real basis for spy baiting. What I, I also knew was, um, and I even have some, that the sinking prop bait was a, was developed like in the 30s. And it played on to the 40s, the 50s, the 60s, and the 70s, and maybe even into the 80s. But I mean, I have uh, sinking prop baits, and maybe I'll just pull a couple for you to see, <clears throat> that went back during these time frames. And, uh, but you can see them there, you know, they, 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 honestly, they have props on them. Some of them are a little bit more wildly in, in the hook uh, arena, but, but you can see they're not, they're not too far a departure from uh, the, uh, the, the the current day, the current time. And I'll give you an example. Here's our dual realis sinking prop bait. And here's a bait I think was uh, was developed in the 50s, <clears throat> maybe even earlier than that. But um, just to give you an example, the one yeah, with they, the... They look similar. The, yeah, the dorsal fin on it. So, it, you know, if I was to snip those hooks off, I would have basically the same body line. And look at the, and look at the perch pattern. Now, this is... A dual realis one now obviously it's it's a it's a sinking prop bait on steroids but here we're talking about a sinking prop bait that really wasn't too far so mm-hmm. this was just yesteryear so so the prop the sinking prop bait concept has been around for a long time the japanese then took it and had really very little success some success but very very little success and they were targeting canals and, and shore. And, and so it, it, it kind of had a little spark in their, in their industry. And then it just fizzled out. 
Well, during that time, I had maybe 40 different sinking prop baits, 30 at least. <clears throat> and I was isolating each bait and I was testing them. I was recording them, depth, speed, trajectory, all these things, because I was trying to formulate a tool that could be used for tournament angling, literally <clears throat> being able to cut the seams in term tournament angling and giving guys a, a real oppor opportunity at a very difficult fish, which is that pronounced suspended bass. Um, they get off the bottom, even smallmouth, they'll get off the bottom at, at St. Clair and they'll move into that eight to 15 and you'll see them go by the boat and you'll try to throw a drop shot on them. The drop shot will sink to the bottom and they won't go and get it. You know, these kind of fish. Um, the one thing about a suspended fish usually is they have the ability to almost see 360 degrees. They just kind of, they're out there in the middle and they can kind of rotate at interest. <clears throat> the other thing that they have that's an advantage, which I know this by testing, is their ability to detect motion at great distances. They're predators. So motion is important to them. <clears throat> they can see a full grown man at 60 feet away on a 3% on a ingrade or, 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 or an incline on a bank. They can actually see you. It, it, if they had hands, they would wave to you just to mock. <laughs> so um, I have a great respect for bass and even other predator fish, but their abilities to make their environment conducive for what they want to do is, is, is epic. It really is. So spy baiting was trying in some ways to pull the layers off this area. Now in spy baiting, we, we also trace the bottom. We trace along weed lines. We trace timber lines. We do all those things. But the, the initial core idea behind it was to get the fish that was most difficult. And here's the thing I can promise you <clears throat> by all the data. I mean, I, I've recorded many, many, many fish. And so I've caught probably spy baiting without even thinking about it, you know, two to 3,000 fish in, right. in, in my time. So, and again, that isn't, uh, you know, I, what I'm saying that is I'm saying I, I was targeting bass to do this idea and eventually over time recording some of this data and keeping it close to the heart. Um, but gaining this concept called spy baiting, uh, the first thing that I realized is was we were really on the right track because we were catching abnormal size fish. I want to put it that way. I would fish a place that I knew had one to three pounders and all of a sudden I'd catch a four or a six pound smallmouth. Mm -hmm. Go figure, right? So that correlation became more and more established the more I tested. <clears throat> and when, when I finally got to a place where I was sitting in reality, I remember sharing with my baby brother, I'm like, this is going to win professional events. And and and, and I, I remember thinking, no one's going to believe me, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and and, I, and honestly, there are guys like this all over, all over the U.S., guys who are thinkers, um, who take on the concept of uh, developing something, making it better? You know those type of those type of think heads or think tanks. They're all over the U.S. Um, I, I don't want to think of myself as anybody special for that. But what I did do was I took this concept and refined it, and then our R and D team um, put their blessing on it, and it got refined again and again. And pretty soon we had a super lure with a super technique and catching super fish and. Uh, that was really the, the, the basis for, for spy baiting. And the, the, the funny thing was, I, I keep saying this, it's going to win. It's going to win a major tournament. You have to think about that. What is the odds that this one lure 
will eventually impact um, a professional tour, you know, and and lo and behold, it, 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 it happened starting back in uh, 2013, but all the way from 13 to 17. And then Kevin Van Dam, day three and day four of, of a tour event, closed the door on it, catching his biggest fish, catching his second biggest weight and his third biggest weight of those four days, spy baiting. Um, and, and when when I saw him do it, because I'm going to tell you right now, spy baiting is not really in his wheelhouse. What is in his wheelhouse is when he gets bit, he knows how to bird that dog that in, 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 in I mean, he, he's, he's just so good at it. So, so if he does get bit, if he can't ascertain that information, he's going to figure it out. And that's where he's so brilliant. Um, you know, some people get bit and almost have to slap themselves a second time to figure out that they're on the right track. That would probably be me. But, but Kevin was, <laughs> was honestly, as soon as he, figures out just a tiny bit of information, how he's able to manifest that in his computer is, um, is, is very respectful and, and, or respected. And, and he ended up doing that on that, in that tour event, the Bassmaster Elite at St. Uh, St. Lawrence it was. And then a year later, uh, Chad Griffey won and he won a tour event. And again, remind, remember, these are tour events. These are the top anglers, you know, competing. It's, it isn't like, you know, this, open invitational this these are the top anglers um competing the best at their craft you know competing so to see somebody like chad um elevate and when he texted me about it i was so happy for him he said i i think i'm on to something and chad had called me two years prior and you know picked my brain about spy bait and that poor guy had to listen to me for two hours and i i still feel <laughs> sorry for that but uh but he's he's a he's actually another uh, he's an underrated angler. He's got a lot of cerebral um, ability, and and I don't think he gets to shine as much as he 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 should because he's a he's an amazing angler. But there you go. He these two guys, and then the college kids, the high school kids. Um, but I recorded just what was information that was coming to me on tournament angling, and and in the professional side, there was basically three million dollars that was won. Wow. Now that's over a long period of time, um, right? don't realize that I introduced the technique like 2012. <laughs> we are now 2023, right? So, so it's been a long time, but, but I, I just have a lot of, of enthusiasm and respect for that, for that process to see that through. So I'm going to end it by saying spy baiting is truly a big fish technique. It truly is. My biggest spot is somewhere around uh, eight pounds, very, very close, maybe a tad over. My biggest largemouth is 12 pounds spy baiting uh, on a on a uh, spin bait ADG fix. Um, my biggest uh, smallmouth is seven two, seven pounds two ounces, and I and then four days or three days later I caught a six fourteen um, spy baiting. So uh, I don't do that every day, by the way, guys. <laughs> um, I wish, but it's not me. Um, but what was really cool about that was, again, it kind of solidified that theory or that hypothesis which is you know spy baiting is a big fish technique and again you think about it you're talking about three inches of of abs right so how can three inches of abs that weighs three eighths of an ounce uh turn the tournament world upside down and, and it really did that it's really kind of cool sitting back and watching all these uh videos now you go onto youtube and there's uh i think the last time i counted there was 300 videos that talked about spy baiting mm -hmm. that was really really cool to see um, obviously, the other companies came in and, and created their versions. 
Um, what they don't realize is when they do create a version, I actually take those lures and I test them feverishly to see um, where they line, line up within within that atmosphere of, of proficiency and and uh, fish catching. So um, so I I, 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 got, I guess I got to say I, I really appreciate the process. But the most important piece to me is that the guys have taken the opportunity to do this and, and have reaped reap the rewards. That to me is like the powerful thing. So um, I, I kind of nickname myself the proud papa of spy baiting because I get to see guys that I don't even know <laughs> on YouTube and go, yeah, I, this is an epic day. And of course, you get the guys that kind of you want to thwart it and put it in its own category and, and throw it away. And you'll get, a, uh, I guess you get a few haters in the group. But but what's kind of interesting is you can see guys developing through this. Um, I've watched pros go from, dude, I can see how this works to, dude, I'm going to win on this. Just in their learning curve. Uh, Brandon Polinick, who's a friend of mine, um, a phenomenal angler. He did that. I mean, he spent like two months and he was like, yeah, I can see how this works. And then later he call, you know, called me a text. Me, I can't remember now, but he called me and texted me and said, hey, I'm going to win on this. Now, he didn't win a big tournament on it. He did collect some and it saved his bacon a couple of times, he told me. But to watch that learning curve where these guys and I'll tell you one mark in, in the learning curve, I, I noticed I'm giving this away. But one of those things that I can assess you on is as you're giving me feedback about your cast and retrieve, <clears throat> what data comes to mind? Like what you see and what you internalize, what is the output? And if you say to me, man, <clears throat> this lure takes a long time to come back to the boat, I know you haven't got to the curve yet. <clears throat> if you say to me things like, dude, this lure has, it, it, it's, I can feel the vibration, it's pulsing and the line's twitching as I bring it in. I know that you're starting to refine your process, just, just how you are analyzing this experience. And you can see those guys make those milestones. And then when they finally get there, oh man, I'm, I, I'm gonna be conservative. 20, 30 personal bests. And these are okay. guys that sent, sent, you know, sent to me on Facebook or or got my number or saw me at a show. Dude, I got my personal best. And 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 I just get, uh, you know, I'm going to get a little bit wicked on that. I just get excited about that stuff. I mean, I really, really do. It's Rightfully so, man. I mean, yeah, knowing that you played a big part in that, that's that's got to be a good feeling. So, yeah. So, so, um, in duo, we have uh, basically six spy baits. And the reason why we have six is because that's how developed the technique is, the presentation and the basis for it. Um, you know, some companies come out with one, some companies come out with three. Um, we have literally six. We actually have eight, but six that are are regularly traveled through our, our community. And those six set you up for being successful with a bait casting rod setup. And then also a spinning rod setup. Now, probably I'm the only person in the world that carries three spy bait rods in my boat. <laughs> and part of that's being anal retentive. But but um, but the guys that are really um, secure and effective with a bait caster can now play the game spy baiting because we have two clearly we got we got three, but two clearly that are, are set and weighted for bait casting uh, spin bait 100. And then the the seventy two. I don't. I think I have a couple of them. But I was going to share. I think I I had the website up. There we go. <clears throat> but um, the one hundred is is quite a departure from you know our original spin bait eighty. <clears throat> you know, I'm, I'm going to just kind of show you. Uh, 
Yeah, yeah. Let me uh, let me make you bigger here. Solo layout. There we go. Yeah. So you can kind of see there's quite a bit of meat between these guys here, and 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 that 100 is almost you know basically like the size of a jerk bait. Right. <clears throat> but I'll tell you something. The spin bait 100 has just as much, if I may, dynamic action as the spin bait 80 and 80 G fix. So that whole rocking motion that we know about, the microprocessing, the shimmy that people are so familiar with, it's magnified in this bait. And that's really, really hard to do. The credit really goes to Duo. I was pleading with this type of configuration and was really setting my, my uh, goals high to try to achieve that. What I'm getting at is the more mass and the more body you have in something, the more it takes to get it to work and uh and so to to make this bait shimmy as intense as it does to roll as intense as it does and as 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 committed as it it does is really really a testament so you know the, our duo um r d team really get credit for that the other one that we use for bait casting also and you may know about this one um is called the uh alpha series and it's kind of built with tall sides on it. It's kind of shorter. It's 72 mm. It's shorter, but taller, but this thing is really, really heavy. I mean, if you cast it, I always say this, if you cast this at somebody, you're going to kill them. It's, <laughs> it's very, very heavy, but now you can get down to a depth that, uh, how can I say this? You can get down to a depth that, that is you're unfamiliar with spy baiting. And you can do that, you know, with seven pound or eight pound tests on a bait caster. So that kind of helped illuminate the whole side with bait casting. I, I, I've been throwing the baits on on spinning rods and bait casters for a long, long time. And then we have a compact one. It's, again, part of the Alpha series. And that right there is 62 mm. So it's really petite. So that would cover your, you know, like your emerging shad forage, those type of things. Um, this one is actually a prototype. It has all these little funky numbers on it and stuff. But <laughs> um, but that's that 62 Alpha is that actually weighs three eighths of an ounce and it's actually much shorter than our, our 80 mm um, G fix or, or original. So in, in the spy bait world, uh, dual has taken a really big step away from folks. One, because we're the experts on this. We've spent the greatest amount of times from filming <coughs> sound to, to, to study um, even to materials used. And, uh, and that puts us kind of ahead of the folks. But there are some other companies that are really have put have contributed and, and they've done a pretty good job with their with their practice too. So I don't tell guys you have to get a dual realis uh spin bait if you want to start to spy bait. You do it how you feel that you want to do it. If I can help with that, if I can tell you how crazy I was in the R and D phases with these baits, and you want to listen to that, then great. We'll bring the popcorn and we'll make it happen. But um, <laughs> but I don't want people not to spy bait because they have a loyalty to another company or they have an interest in something else. I, I I want everybody to do it because it is a very, very powerful experience for sure. Right. Right. No, but it, it does make sense because I, I do having tried a few different ones there, there is a difference. And, and I think there is a testament to that, how much, you know, the vibration is there uh, having thrown a couple different ones you can feel that difference, obviously. Um, so it, it, it is worth it maybe to, you know, maybe check them out, but definitely compare them. Yeah, um, <laughs> I encourage guys to do that. And, and again, it's kind of what you're wanting to 
to attain. When I study crankbaits, for example, there's certain things that I look for. You know, you'll hear guys say, for example, uh, I really like a crankbait with a lot of erratic action, mm -hmm. erratic action. And that can mean so many things um, when you start to pull it apart and pull it out of the sky. For some guys, that may mean a bait that actually swims on its own in a in a rhythmic but erratic, you know, uh, uh, a signature. big wobble. Yeah, right. And for others, it may be well, it's always off base, and then when it hits something, it's even more off base, and therefore it's. And I go the opposite way. I want a crankbait, for example, we're talking about crankbaits, to track, like one hundred percent down the path that it needs to go, and not veer from it at all because okay. i can always make that lure act up what i can't do is always make that lure be 100 consistent um in its track or in its tracing mode so for me personally i'm looking for the ultimate you know four-wheel drive or the ultimate sports car to do what it was designed to do and i can do the wheelies and and the spins and all that other stuff later you know <laughs> so um so that that's the way I look at it. But you know, people have different ways about how they how they how they fish and what they what they want to experience. So I encourage people to get out there and just do it. But spy baiting is probably one of the most deadly techniques. Um, there's a there's a pro on the Apex Pro Tour. His name's Colby Pearson, and I knew him when he was a kid coming up, and he adopted spy baiting, and he probably spy baits more than I do now on on tour. Wow. I mean, he and he's got it down. Like he's really, really got it down. And um, and I, I'm really, really proud of him. One because he's 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 no longer a student of the game. He's he's a proficient um, um, uh, competitor, and I have to compete against him. That's kind of the worst thing <laughs> ever. But, but he's really got this down. And I'll we'll, we'll share notes. You know, spy baiting. He'll say he, he's not afraid to tell me. Yeah, you know, I was looking at fish um, through the spy bait this week, and and, and this is what happened. And I can tell he can close his eyes now. You can drop him anywhere in the world, and he'll tell you by his natural exposure and time with that lure where to fish that, when to fish that, anywhere. That's that's how proficient he's gotten with it. And there's a lot of guys that have gotten that way, and I, and that it, it it really tickles me when I hear about the guys making it to that level. But spy baiting is like drop shotting or like this proficiency to spinnerbait fishing everyone knows what a spinnerbait does but you know a really good spinnerbait fisherman when you see him mm -hmm. you're like ah that guy he knows what he's doing <clears throat> and that's the thing spy baiting gives you that opportunity to kind of isolate yourself you mentioned it, it's a secret it, it, it's always a secret and i'll tell you why it kind of flares up when it gets successful and then it flares back down and then it kind of dissipates and goes away for like a couple months, and then one guy pulls it out of the box and wrecks him, and it starts back up again. <laughs> uh, it, it's hilarious how that gets going. Well, yeah, and and I, I was going to mention, you know, uh, if you're really interested in learning the ins and outs of throwing it, uh, go back and listen to our episode. Um, uh, if if you just Google paddle and fin on YouTube and uh, do uh, spy baiting, you'll you'll find it. That's how I found it today. Um, I know I also what what actually the first time I heard you talk about it, you actually uh, were on um, Alex Rudd's show. And he did a two-parter that was almost two hours worth of uh, spy baiting. And uh, that's where I first heard it. And I was like, oh, I got to have that guy on my show. <laughs> so, uh, 
you could if you guys want even more uh you know super in-depth uh on spy betting uh go check out alex rudd's podcast because uh david was on there and uh had a ton of information but but yeah so uh i think uh, if you guys are interested at all in, in throwing it, it's a great technique. I, I think when I, we had you on before, you described it as it's really easy to pick up and use, but it's very, it, it's hard to master. Yeah, so, yeah. Um, um, and that has been uh, my experience as well. You know, it, it definitely took me a while to, to, to feel like I was doing it right. And uh, to, to have confidence in it. But now I obviously uh, it's, it's definitely something that I always, uh, have in the back of my mind of, Hey, would that work here? You know, sometimes it takes me stumbling over something that, uh, you know, like with the, the grass stuff before I, you know, remember, Oh yeah, I, I can try this. But, uh, and I've told guys, cause I'll always get this question. What, you know, spin bait would you, you got, you got six of them or you got eight of them. Okay. Which one would you use? And what line, what rod would you use? You know, that kind of thing. If you could be, you know, nailed down to one spy bait, how would you do it? And uh, and I always come back to straight fluorocarbon, six pound test, a medium light uh, action rod with a decent backbone and a, and a 2500, 2500 series uh, spinning rod. And you're spy baiting. And guys that can come close to that, you're going to get there. You know, some guys say, well, all I got is a drop shot rod and my drop shot. And I say, start with that then. Just put six pound test on it. Now, Again, I'm a little bit at the nth degree, so uh, I, I fish like Seaguar Tatsu um, because it's a generation of R18, which R18 is a kind of a su superior fluorocarbon in Japan, and uh, it's part of the Seaguar family. But R18 is kind of pushing the echelon of of that of that uh, composition. The so I use a higher quality fluorocarbon um, when I'm doing this. But but there's other companies that do that who have really good uh, Torrey High Grade is a very very good many guys probably don't even know that company but Torrey High Grade is a very very good fluorocarbon it's expensive um, and then there's uh, you know uh, Sunline is much more predictable it's going to be much nicer to you in the long run um, the high quality lines I don't worry so much about abrasion resistance and then the second thing I say to guys is I want you to figure out where you can throw that bait. I want you to go into six inches of water, and I want you to go into 50 foot of water. I want you to figure out where you can throw that bait. And one way of learning this without um, cursing me out later because you lost the lure is to, is to take the hooks off. Literally take the hooks off the bait, make the long cast, trace the areas that you're wanting to trace, sink the bait, let the bait fall to the depth that you want to, and get familiar with it. And you'll actually get bit. And, and you know, of course, you probably curse me out anyways, because now <laughs> you got bit with the hooks on. <laughs> but but you do that and you actually learn more and more about this bait. And that bait becomes kind of an intimate process for you. And then when it's time, you know, you could stroll that that spin bait. Uh, it, it, it's um, it's it's talents. And by doing that, you kind of cut the cut the learning curve uh, quite a bit. I'm going to say by 30 percent, just kind of doing those things, getting lined up correctly. And then taking the hooks off and, and fishing, and you learn how to roll it on the bottom. You learn about its sinking speed, you know those type of things, and then you can grow from there. I, I did a video years ago called "The Essentials to Spy Baiting Volume Two, and it, it'll talk about line presentation, 
uh, not all the not all the spy baits, but it has a it has some of them out there. But you can get on there, watch that video. I think it's like eight minutes or ten minutes, and and have something in your skull ready to go. That's more than just a beginner's novel to this. It's kind of like what do I need to be successful at this uh, presentation, and that that's where it will really help you. I'm going to do a. I hate to say it this way, but kind of a pros pro to spy baiting. It's going to be pretty technical, honestly, and maybe only 5% of the world's going to be interested. But <laughs> the, the reason I'm going to do that is because I want to show the range that spy baiting has, the ability that spy baiting has, that guys can get away from, oh, I only can fish it in crystal clear water, you know, over rock piles, you know, give maybe a poor example. I'm going to help open up that, uh, illuminate that process for them a little bit more. And that offers the guys that are very experienced uh, kind of a new dimension into spy baiting. So um, I'm going to do that it, again. It'll probably be long and boring. Here's what you do, how, you know, that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> I think the junkies will, will, will have good fun with it. Oh yeah. No, I could definitely see that. Well, I'll, I'll try and look up the, uh, the essentials of spy baiting one that you did. And I'll put that in the show notes. And, um, you know, link the link our show too. So we should have plenty of, uh, material there if you want to <laughs> learn that. So check out that in the show notes. Um, that being said, um, duo has been very busy. You know, I've seen a lot of cool stuff. So I wanted to give you a chance to kind of talk about some of that other stuff that you guys are doing. Well, and, and, and I think this is going to be kind of cool in a couple of different ways, Sean. I, I would like to, you know, first of all, I want to say thank you to your show. You don't have to have me on here. You you have the ability to pull whoever you want, bring it to your audience. And so I really appreciate um, uh, your your kindness and and consider me to um, provide and educate uh, your your clientele or your or your fans. And um, I really do. I, I really appreciate that. And the other part of it too is I think these podcasts, each company or each entity that does this. They really do have something special. Um, probably, if I had nothing else on my hands, I'd have twenty different podcasts. This is where the way my mind works, unfortunately. And <laughs> each podcast would be into a dimension of of fishing. But what I'm trying to say is that's what you guys offer. You guys offer people a resting place to kind of come and learn and gain information without the stringent requirement of everlasting uh, researching and, and the exhausting process that can that can take and and i know what that's like being on the other side i remember when there wasn't such a thing as youtube and facebook and you were trying to figure out fish behavior and and lures and now you've got guys telling you you know you just google it and it comes up so um the information highway is you know a hundredfold than it, what it used to be and that and that i think is a testament to you guys um, providing a lot of these uh, platforms like podcasting, especially to your group. So um, hats off to you guys and, and you do an awesome job as well. I'm going to introduce, if you don't mind, um, kind of a direction that Duo has gone. We've gone um, a little bit more into the soft plastic range. And this is a good place to go for us because a lot of what we do is hard bait analysis and hard bait R&D and, and that kind of stuff. And I'm going to tell you, I get high off that. But soft baits, you still, if you want a good soft bait, you kind of have to start thinking outside the box a little bit on doing that because soft baits are easier, e easier um, to duplicate. Um, 
they, and they're kind of easier to kind of cancel out too. I got an eight inch worm. I don't need anybody else's eight inch worm. So there's, so, you know, there's this um, place, this delicate place um, for a company that thinks or wants to think. And, and, and I wish I could take credit for these soft plastics, but, <laughs> but I can't. Um, they're really not my ideas. They were, they were uh, ideas and brilliant ideas of, of our R and D team, but I'll take you there. Um, some of this stuff is going to be really applicable to your, your, your kayakers. I, that I guarantee. But um, I'll start with uh, what we call, uh, it's called the Wiggler Crawler. And I'll show you, it's kind of, and it's a basically a six inch worm, very, very close to a six inch worm. And you look at it, you go, well, that's kind of cool. Um, we have different colors, you know, watermelon and green pumpkin, etc. But one of the cool things about this worm, and it comes in many sizes, um, we have it in a 4.8, a 5.8. Um, we have it in a 2.8. I'll break one of those out probably. But if you look at this worm, I'm going to try to do this a little bit here. You'll see there's some flat spots in the worm as I roll the worm. Okay. Those flat spots capture and press water, and water presses against those flat spots to create action. So not only can you ichi wacky rig this or flick shake or that's some of the other names. Um, you can Texas rig it. You can split shot it. You can shaky head it. The thing that Duo added to it was not only we have a hard nose and so the rigging, uh, the propensity to rig here is, is whoops, last, it, it just lasts a little bit longer than gotcha. per se a softer one. Um, the flat sides create the action. And then at the base or the bottom of the worm is this little oval shape. Well, that's actually hollow. It captures air. Okay. So it allows the tail of the bait to rise up um, and, and be at a different buoyancy effect than the rest of the worm. Again, creating action. Um, and we have it in a, in a, a 2.8 size, which you think, wow, that's pretty petite. But the idea, again, is to give guys kind of the uh, just a little bit of an angle, an advantage that maybe they didn't they they didn't have. So um, our wiggle crawler is an awesome, awesome worm. And I and I fish it on the Apex Tour. Stuff that I'm going to show you here, too, guys, I actually fish professionally. Um, if you call me up and said, hey, David, have you ever fished X, Y, Z? And I don't. Uh, maybe maybe the company I work for would be mad at me. <laughs> but I, I would be honest and tell you, no, I, I don't fish that because part of it is for me to give you guys the best information that I can. Um, and so I'm, I'm brutally honest. Uh, but, you know, most of the things that uh, we develop at Realis, I've already used multiple times. But that worm in particular, I used on tour a bunch. Um, I relied on it a bunch for a lot of different techniques. But um, I love that worm, actually. So. It's pretty neat. It seems pretty versatile. You know, it, you, a lot of times your other worms that you'll have a worm that's good at for wacky rigging, but not so good at drop shotting or or uh, shaky head or something like that. But that seems like it covers a lot of bases in just one worm. Yeah. I mean, you can really do a lot with that worm. We don't have, you know, um, 50 different colors in that. So but I always tell guys we'll have base colors and those base colors, I I. I help teach guys, you can articulate those base colors in different ways by bleaching out the worm, by adding dye to the worm. Um, so you can 
do things to the worm to kind of change hues and cause contrasting if that's need be. Um, keep your mind open and, and then that worm can be um, used uh, readily any way you want it to. So, but I really like that worm a lot. Uh, I, I know I'm being biased. The, uh, the other thing I want to talk about, we were talking earlier about Western shaking. I did this as a kid. <clears throat> I would shake baits eight over 15 with four pound test and a loop kind of what we call a loop shake. Um, and like I said, I probably have to give Don Ivino the most credit. My, my mind um, goes crazy when I come up with ideas, but it was really kind of him and, and a couple other established anglers really set me in the right direction of looking at that. So I do um, loop shaking, West, Western shaking, which now in Japan is called mid strolling. I was going to ask, can you just explain a little bit like what you mean by when you say eight over 15, what does that mean? Yeah. Like, a... so If the bottom was 15, then I'm fishing the worm in eight. Okay. Over the bottom. Gotcha. Okay. That and makes sense. That, that's a lot of uh, what we call real estate in between. Um, so to do that, you have to create a motion with your line that will keep the lure in movement. Um, to stay there. Maybe it sinks too fast or or it starts to sink out of action. So you start to impart this action with 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 your rod. And my rods are are very high tech. They're and they're very soft, um, but they're designed to handle and manage very light line from from two pound test to four pound test, for example. Okay. Um, so that's kind of the focal point of Western shaking. And then to do it over a um, certain depth is what is called uh, mid-strolling. Now, from mid-strolling come all this other stuff that we talk about. So I, I kind of call it like mid-western shaking, um, which has excited. Uh, and, and by the way, Don Iavino uh, used to go to Japan probably before I was born. I mean, the guy was over there in Japan. I At least I know in the 80s he was over there in Japan. Um, but he was probably over there even earlier, um, secretly too. And he influenced a lot of things over in Japan. Um, so you just give him credit where credit's due. But uh, his his shaking uh, techniques and um, his ability to fish over suspended uh, topography um, uh, was unprecedented back then. It was, I mean, it was it was light years ahead of its time. And I just adopted and adapted that um, to curtail the way that I like to fish and then continue to refine it. But that being said, uh, I have a worm. If we can, if, if maybe if we can call it that loosely, it could probably be called a shad bait too, but this is called the finder shad. Okay. And you'll see in the package, it shows arrows going up along the sides of the body. That's saying that the worm will actually rotate. Interesting. So, what we do with this worm, I actually fish it two different ways. Um, one is I fish it on a drop shot, believe it or not. And the reason I do is because the worm has such tremendous action. And I'm going to kind of show it to you um, as we get here. But again, you can see this kind of shape. See that kind of tall-sided shape? That yep. tall-sided shape is going to work against itself. Also, if you look, you'll barely see it. I don't know if I can... But you'll start to see uh, little teeny fins right at where the body tapers into the tail. 
Okay. Those fins are for stability. They cause the worm to stand a certain way. And then at the very end, you see almost looks like this spear, you know, um, and it has kind of a like wings on the end of the spear. And that is to drag and capture water as well. So this little tail is doing quite a bit of action when it pulls against water, water being the, the, the stationary medium. It starts to pull against water and that tail starts to do different action. The body, because of its shape, will start to roll and swim a certain way. And you will mid-stroll this bait into a water column, just like we were talking about shaking or loop shaking. And um, and you can make bait, bait, basically make this bait swim across. Now, rigging it to do that, you take a what we call a, a jig hook is probably the best way to describe it. It's a jig hook. It has that 90 eye and then a 90 bend and then the, the shank and then the, the, the throat of the hook. And that goes and you skin the top of that bait and it comes out. And that's what you're going to use. And I should have uh, brought some hooks and did this for you, but it's kind of like Texas rigging, but the eye of that uh, hook is going to sit up here. Okay. And then, it's, and then the, best, the the shank of the hook is going to go just underneath the skin of the body. And then the hook's going to come out. The point's going to come out. And that's where it's going to be. As you shake this bait, it's going to start to rock. Now, what you may want to add, and, and, and we do this, is you can free, free line it. And that free lining means you have no weight on the, on the bait. You let it sit out there on the surface and do it or, sub, sub, or what we call subsurfacing. And you let it kind of move. Um, but other words, you take a little nail weight, you clip it, and you put it in the head. Or what I like to do a lot of times is I like to put the nail weight, and I'm talking tiny little sliver of nail weight, right into the base or the belly of the worm. And that gives it what I call a keel all of a sudden. And as I shake this worm, this thing's going to roll, and it's going to swim as it's coming through the water column, depending on how much shake I give. And when I say shake, I'm shaking the line out to the bait. So there's a, there's this reflection that's going into place. I'm shaking the line out to the bait. As my line gets out to the bait, it, the bait is kind of stopping it and it's coming back to me. I'm not trying to pull the line like this through the water. I don't want this motion. I want the worm to kind of uh, 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 like this, you know, and just kind of move its way. And the reason why it's staying in linear fashion to me is because I'm incorporating the line into the reel as I'm doing this shaking. <clears throat> And with the baits of old, we had more of what we call this motion or, or the line would loop and do that. And we would shake this way. But with these baits, they they have the ability to, to kind of rock. So you can swim them basically by having a lot of loose line and bringing that line in as you're reeling. Shake, 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 shake. shake. And you can change that cadence. It can be super intense or it can be a little bit lazy, you know. And you can find that cadence, but you'll see it. You'll start swimming it in the water and you're like, whoa, this is really, really cool. So this lure is designed for what the Japanese call mid-strolling or what I call uh, Western shaking for suspended fish. Um, both are basically the same. One just is, is a little bit more uh, evolved. And uh, like I said, you can do it without a weight or you can do it with a weight. But then the other way I fish this is on a drop shot, just because the action is like killer. So 
I was um, going to say the way that tail is wiggling, just you trying to hold it steady there is kind of crazy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it, yeah. No, I had no coffee this uh, this evening, <laughs> and, and so, um, but it's really really cool. And another way that I've played with it is taking kind of the micro Ned heads, you know, the really really small Ned weights, really light, and I've I, I've fished it that way, um, and I've had some success with it that way. But drop shotting it has been awesome. And then obviously Western shaking it has been has been a go-to for me. Uh, we have a V-tail shad that was one of our first uh, plastic baits. It's a fish body, flat top kind of belly, and then it has two uh, forks or, or a fork coming out of it with spay tail basically. But it kind of comes out split, and that bait is only like two and a half inches long or something. It's really really tiny. I use that a lot for drop shotting. Um, I didn't bring any with me because it's been around for a while. Most guys. Um, that follow us know about that bait. But what has been new um, and has come out that I want to spend some time talking about is what we call the Wiggle Stick and then also what we call the Wiggle ND Slim. The Wiggle Stick is kind of like a shortened, blunted example of maybe like a Senko. Okay. You can, you can, and I'll open up these two. You can wacky rig it if you want to hook or weight um or you can ned head rig it um and the way i like to fish it is i like to neckle rig it so that means putting a nail weight into the head of it and then uh having a band on it and then and then having a hook come through it this way and i move it through uh on the bottom through the water this way okay as long as i move this one the wiggle stick is a four inch bait. So as long as I move this one and keep the moving, it, it won't fall over. It'll actually stand up. It's got a lot of vibration to it. Um, it looks funky. It has obviously <laughs> dips and dives in it too. And it's got flat sides on it, but it's got a lot of action, but it's weighted, it's salted, it's scented. And so when you stop, it's going to want to fall. Mm -hmm. And this is why I Neko rig it or I'll freelance and put a jig head here and fish it kind of a, a what we call you know flick shaking or i you know i'll i'll hook it with no weight and let it kind of you know sank fall but a lot of ways i mean a, a lot of times i'll actually fish in tournaments uh neko rig it's really lively doing that so i i know that on the inside so that's why i i fish that that's a weighted uh shorts uh kind of short like i said four inches um salted scented bait stick bait is what we call it Okay. Where we progressed from there was uh, moving into Ned rig fishing, and and Ned rig fishing has been around for a long time. Um, we used to do it before it was probably even called Ned rig with a with an old mushroom head, and I right. want to say I was turned on to the mushroom head probably by like Steve Quinn of In Fisherman or something. It was a long time ago as a kid, but <laughs> um, but. Every once in a while, you'd find a guy in a garage who would pour these mushroom heads, and the mushroom heads made the bluer stand up. So you could rig any type of plastics. Uh, now that whole head, jig head, has gotten much more refined. I mean, they've got really good keepers. The hooks are high quality. It's a different ball game now. But we came out with basically a Ned bait that we could do this with. And I'm going to take – I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll take a prototype. But uh, Let's see. Here we go. But here's the – Here's the slim, it's called. Where are we? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
So it has that same kind of wavy body, but it's yeah. a smaller profile, obviously. Yeah, smaller. Um, and, and we have two tones and a, a bunch of different colors that are kind of, kind of wicked in it. But so that you guys can see it a little bit better, I'll show you um, a bait and proto prototype. We have our own, how can I say this, kind of our own prior uh, proprietary process in elastomer. So we have a a bait, and this is the same bait, but that will stretch just like an elastomer. We've scented it, we've salted it, um, so we've given it kind of flavor, and and uh, you know, scent is usually used as one of the factors to add weight. But in this case, with our compound, this bait will stand on its own; it'll float. So okay. um, it's really nice. You just put a a little net head on it, and it'll you know it'll stay up the whole time. And no matter where you fish it or what you do with it. Um, but I wanted to show you, so I, that's why I'm using this color. Uh, this is a prototype color, but uh, gotcha. prototype worm that we use so that we can see it at different depths. But again, it's elastomer. Um, I always recommend that if you use any elastomer that you find a way to secure the package and not let it uh, mate with other plastics or you. Oh yeah. That that's gets to be a mess. Yep. <laughs> but, but the cool thing about this is Again, we were looking at if we wanted to get into this Ned thing, how can we push the envelope? You know, it, and, and listen, there's a lot of really good Ned baits out there. I, I think I counted one night 72 or something like that of these things we called Ned baits. And then there's variations that could be Ned, right? Um, and then there's guys that say, all I do is just cut the Senko down, you know? <laughs> yeah. So, so it kind of just depends, but there was quite a few Ned baits. So entering this process, Really, we wanted to give our anglers, our fan base, and maybe even some newcomers kind of a super worm. You know, give it something a little bit more. Well, we have these scented worms. It, it, they uh, literally stink. <laughs> um, they're so scented. And then we wanted to still have salt in it, which is almost an oxymoron because we use, use salt for ballast as well. And so we're going to have salt in it. But yet we wanted it to um, rise and float, have a high buoyancy effect. So we were able to accomplish that. And then we created our own kind of proprietary uh, elastomer. So there's some different things in our elastomer that allow us to do, um, uh, you know, to be flexible with our, with our molds and, and, and the processes within the worms. So um, really, really proud of this, uh, of this process. I think guys are going to be really comfortable. The, the, the kayak guys who like, there's a lot of kayak guys that Ned fish. Those guys are going to probably find this one of the easiest baits to throw, to fill, to work with. But I'm really excited about it because it's kind of like, I mean, I'm not excited about Ned fishing because we just kind of cut and pasted to make it happen. But I'm excited about it because we took the thought and the process and put it in place. So it isn't just another worm out there. We were actually, how can we give our guys something special? So that's that was our goal. And I think that's that was pretty attainable. Um, so I, I'm, I'm pretty proud of it in that respect. Very cool. Very cool. You know, I, like you were saying, it, it is, it's hard, you know, the soft plastics have been around for a long time, so it's hard to come up with an original thought, but those, the ones that you've showed at least do look different than most of the stuff that's out there. So, well, and, and, you know, we talked about the, the shapes and things. Well, all those have, all those shapes have a specific, 
It's purpose built. Right. Yes. And, yeah. And that's what's kind of cool. So you'll drop that worm and it's actually going to be swimming its way down. So it, it'll just have a lot of things. I think guys will be like, wow, that's really, really cool. I'll give you a tip. One thing that I do with my net fishing um, and I haven't seen anybody else do on tour professionally. Or otherwise, it doesn't mean that it isn't being done, guys. Um, but what I end up doing and I don't I don't have it with me, but I'll use a uh, let me see if I can do something here. Oh. I'll use a paper clip just to kind of emulate. I will take a threader. You know what a threader is in fly fishing, right? A mm -hmm. line threader. And I'll take the threader and I'll actually put it through the worm and up through the tip of it. And then I think you can see that. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. There we go. And what I'll end up doing with that is I will take that line and put it through the threader and the line I'm going to use is like really, really thin mylar, kind of like an iridescent mylar or a hologram mylar. And I'll pull that mylar down into the body. So what ends up happening is the mylar becomes the most narrow point on the worm. But also what happens is it becomes the most fluid or the most... Um, uh, the ability to enact the most action. Mm -hmm. So the worm's already got action. What I'm doing now is I'm creating a what I call a little tracer. And I put the tracer in there. It increases vibration. It kind of flows naturally. When the worm's setting still, it's still moving. And I can give the fish another focal point. And honestly, it's just one teeny little strand. Sometimes I've done two. And they're really, really just tiny pieces of marlar, honestly, about the size of that in there. Again, this is pretty small bait. A fish is going to come around and look at this thing. He's going to get closer. She's going to get closer. So I'm offering her another marker by putting that there, if that makes sense. Again, that's kind of weird science kind of stuff, but um, I'm into motion and movement. And that was one way to, to um, accentuate that as well. We've had uh, guests before, especially the last I've been trying to focus on some cold water baits. And, and one of the things that I've heard repeatedly with my cold water baits is secondary action. So you're not working the bait, but the bait is still has movement like it's sitting there on the bottom, but something about it is still moving. And that's, you know, uh, something that's very important from what we've heard uh, in cold water tactics is that that secondary movement so that, you know, you're not imparting any action, but just because of a, a tiny bit of current or whatever is moving in the water, that the bait is still has some kind of whether it's just waving there in the current yep. or um, and that's that's really big for especially cold water uh, tactics. And um, so that sounds like a, you know, a prime example of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, and, and and you you are you're running right down the, the line. The um, movement in cold water, um, bass are cold water animals, so cold blooded animals. So what ends up happening is as the temperature falls, they almost become like they're non-existent or they become really mechanical. So as the temperature falls, you know, you can a bass can move. I, I don't know, maybe it's zero to 30 or something. But they can do that in a, in a 10 or 12 foot burst. So they can go 10 feet in, in a second. I mean, they have the ability to burst. So in the summertime, you may have even experienced this. You take your top water bait and you cast it and it's gliding across the water surface. And just before it hits the surface, the bass eats it and everyone goes, whoa. <laughs> well, that bass saw that prey object afar and zoomed in with speed and, and, and accuracy. And, and snatch that that bait out of out of the air 
That's how quick they are. The transverse to that or the opposite to that is when they actually can't move even though they want to. So they're hungry, but yet they're mechanically delayed in, in moving. And the same 10 feet may take them eight seconds to get over there to your jig. And it's like this. And it's kind of like this. And then pretty soon they're over there. And meanwhile, you've heard guys talk about soaking a jig. Well, when you soak a jig, that's half the battle. Half the battle is calling guys and gals over to kind of look what you have. And then once they get over there, giving them time to consume it. So soaking has a real, real, you know, dead sticking has a real purpose. It really does, especially when you talk about how bass are affected by temperature. And it doesn't take a lot. A temperature can go from 70, uh, to say 65, they're really, really active. And then all of a sudden drop to you know, uh, 58 and it kind of slows them down. Um, again, we're not talking about fronts and storms and all this other stuff, but I'm just talking about temperature drop and then it drops again, but you can watch as the temperature drops. I've seen bass come up to spawn on railroad beds or whatever. And then all of a sudden the cold water drops in temperature, not, not in height. And those fish have a hard time moving, just moving. You can pitch a jig to them four feet away and it takes them forever to get to it. That's because they're cold blooded. So soaking the bait, having that ability to entice them from long distances because you have a little bit of natural movement in there is is, is really heading down the, the, you know, the right path, in my opinion, for sure. Cool, cool. Well, um, anything else uh, from uh, Duo that you want to share or... Um... I- I, th- I think that's it. I, you know, um, maybe the next time I come out, I've got a couple um, hard. Oh, you know what I will talk, talk to you about real quickly is uh, I introduced uh, these. They're called the nano hooks. So now guys can replace their spin baits hooks if they cool. want to. Yeah. We have those. Um, Tackle Warehouse has them. A place called Three, Three Rivers carries an abundance of them. Um, but you can get these. Now, this nano hook, uh, when we first came out with this hook, that was part of our technology in the um, spin bait series, the last series that we came out, which was our newest series called the I-Class. And so if you're going out shopping for a spy bait and you wanted the dual realis, look for that yellow uh, marking right there called uh, all new I-Class. That gives you the latest and greatest in performance, meaning um, I I tricked that bait out quite a bit. It actually casts further. It accentuates more. It has a better signature. Um, it's significantly more durable. We don't mount into a mounting block anymore. And we, we sec- secure it completely. Um, and it has quite a bit of ability to kind of tweak it, I'm going to just say. And I'll get into that when I when I do the do the videos. But it allows a, a little bit more. And then we got into chroma fusion painting process, which is taking paints and making them appear one way and then another um, by by light, by using light and, and motion. So um, we did that with what we call the IU. The BKIU is, is one color I developed. But if you rotate that color, it will turn colors in the sun um, as the bait is moving. So you're off, offering quite a bit more. Uh, appearance of motion, for example. So those nano hooks were part of that um, upsurge in refinement to making our our, our spin baits um, even better. And those hooks, I, I promise you, are ugly, ugly sharp because they have almost like your mother's Teflon coating on her frying pan. 
it's like that. I mean, it's a super slick, so don't even mess around with them. Um, I've already <laughs> put the hooks on my hand a couple times and tried to man up, you know, as I'm pulling them out. Uh, but they're they're just really, really slick hooks. But high quality, our our own design from shape um, and length, etc. So we're really, really proud of that hook. But they're called the Nano Hook, and and you can use them for jerk baits and spy baits, etc. So there's several little sizes out for that. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Cool. Well, very cool, man. David, I, again, I appreciate uh, you coming on always uh, tons of info. Um, I, man, I wish I, we had four hours to talk cause I know, <laughs> I know we could fill it. So, but um, we'll, we'll save that for another time, but I wanted to give uh, you a chance to shout out um, sponsors and any, anything like that, that you want to, to, and then also uh, where folks can find you, where folks can pick up um, dual realis baits and, and um, the hooks and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. So, <laughs> so, I mean, guys, a lot of guys have already, you know, are kind of shopping enthusiasts and they go to um, not Walmart. They go to they go to Tackle Warehouse. I was going to say. <laughs> I Walmart. wish it was available at Walmart. <laughs> um, but they go to Tackle Warehouse and uh, they can order this stuff right there. Um, but there's a lot of places. There's Carolina Fishing Tackle that has quite a few dual real stuff. Like I said, Three Rivers, um, they're really a special specialty shop. Um, hookup tackle, which is out in the desert area. That, that, that guy is, uh, he's really, really good with his shopping. He's a, he's a, me a monster mega bass store, but he carries yeah. our dual realis. I, I like to give all these guys props because they work so hard on their, on their stores. Um, but, uh, and there's, I'm going to say, uh, gosh, darn, what was the name of the a newcomer? Um, oh, out, outdoor, uh, Clear Lake Outdoors is another one. So Clear Lake Outdoors, they they're carrying some of our stuff. Uh, you but you can definitely go online and just kind of hit duo and and yeah, we'll we'll come up for sure. Maybe one cool. of these days I'll just I'll I'll do a podcast just on stores. <laughs> 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 There's a ton of them that are doing really really well. But yeah, um, and then I, I would like to give a shout out. Um, <clears throat> this is kind of personal to me, but um, it means a lot to me. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Allison ba Bass Boats. Uh. They're the first um, factory bass boat company that took interest in what I was doing. Um, I'm very much into bass boats. I like the bottom of a bass boat as well as I do the top of a bass boat. It's important for me to run in rough chop as well as to run in, in, in smooth stuff. So I'm a fanatic around that stuff. I've been in so many different boats, um, Bullets, Bass Cats, Phoenix, um, Legend. I've had champion i've had uh, rangers uh skeeter and all of them i enjoy in in, in 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 a lot of different ways but allison has been really um dear to my heart because of their legacy uh they have over a 60 year family legacy family owned legacy and the stuff that darris and paul allison developed would blow your mind away i encourage guys um, who want to fish out of a kayak, but also want a bass boat um, <laughs> to really look up Allison boats. You'll find their history is unprecedented. The stuff that's happened. Uh, you guys probably remember all the cigarette boats back in Florida and the movies that were surrounding those cigarette boats, like Miami vice and some of these other things. Well, uh, there's a guy by the name of Reggie jr. Who borrowed the bottom of an Allison boat basically and created world record speeds. So okay. the, the just the innovation, and they were light years ahead of themselves, the quality, build quality. So I get fanatic about that, but the it's a family-run business, and they've been so kind to me um, to bring me on board. I'm, I'm basically, by project, the first time they ever took a risk on somebody 
to give them um, a spot within, you know, what what now we would call a pro staff position, et cetera. So um, I'm really, really honored. There is a cohort that works with Allison by the name of Fast Bass Marine, Tim. He can take any bass boat and make it run better. Um, he's just really that good. So, and I'm, I've been a longtime friend of his. I harass him all the time, but um, he's he's really fun. I'm going to actually have my boat with him. We're going to do some special projects with it, um, testing, et cetera. And um, I, I just decided that I wanted him to be a part of that. I think he's a great guy. So, so he's, like I said, his name is Tim Powell and he's from Fast Bass Marine. I want to give a shout out to Kevin Bennett of uh, Lithium Pros. Um, I had a almost a, a life ending experience in my garage um, with some electronical uh, equipment. I won't go into details about that. That's not what's important. But basically, everything could have caught on fire. And there was things that were heating up. And Kevin was so quick to, and it what had nothing to do with lithium pros at all. There was no uh, interaction with that. But Kevin was so quick to take me through my electronic systems and say, you want to make sure that these things are isolated, that we don't have a par parasitic charge going here. And he helped me basically take all the other electronic issues or, or questions and eliminate them. And, uh, and I'm sponsored by Lithium Pros, but uh, he's just a super kind man. And he literally like got out of bed on the phone and helped me get through this thing, which could have been a really, really scary, um, I, I, my house could have burned down kind of situation. Wow. Um, so, so to have him take the time and the energy to help me get um, into a new place and, and, and a sense of comfort was was tremendous. But he really did. He He's a brainiac. And he went through and said, you still need to check this system out, even though it is part of this. It, we want to make sure that everything on your boat is working. Um, and again, had nothing to do with lithium pros, but he came forward and went through my whole my whole boat with me. Um, to make things work. So um, my heart goes out uh, to him just being super kind to make that happen. Um, I'm I'm with Seagar. Uh, the guys at Seagar have always been good to me. Um, I, so I do want to give a shout out to Seagar. It's, it's my favorite line. It's my favorite line. You know, I'm weird. So it's my favorite line because I've taken it to the lab and tested it under different conditions. I won't go into, into the details of that, but that's what brought me the comfort about um, using Tatsu. Um, and I used it before I ever was sponsored by them. Uh, Dual Realis, who I work for, but also um, those guys have um, allowed me to to compete, and, uh, and that's really hard to do. Juggle, you know, both both concepts, of course. So um, Roman made uh, my dear friend, Mr. Takayama. We've been friends for many, many years. We were friends before I even got employed with. Uh, with duo and he is the guy who made the mother the roman made mother and uh, uh and the negotiator and then the roman made chaser i don't know if you know but the roman made chaser is like 16 inches and weighs two pounds like <laughs> who throws that well we do <laughs> so uh um, maybe one one evening i'll bring him on but um he's he's a dear dear friend of mine for a long and and he's just been really supportive and these guys have been really supportive of the apex tour which is the pro tour out west and uh and I, I want to give a shout out to the CEO of the Apex Tour, Jeremy DeHart. Um, he's taken a bunch of us pros and given us a place to compete, supported us in that process when very, very few people have ever thought about doing something like that. Um, we get 100%. I can't talk about the actual payout amounts in our in our, our tournaments because that's not our focal point. But um, he gives we get over 100% back uh, on our events. And and for a man to basically say I'm not taking anything from from the pro tour, I want it to go back to you guys is is a powerful statement about his love 
and compassion for our sport. Um, he's got a, uh, and I'm going to be ignorant here, but he's got a pro kayak tour now that just started, I think, last year. Um, you may want to look into that. But it, yeah, it, it's really, really cool. And we use, by the way, on Apex, we use your guys' uh, uh, rating system. The um, uh, What am I thinking of? Gosh darn, what is it called? <laughs> Forget <laughs> But anyways, we, we measure our fish as well as we weigh them. Okay. Tourney X is what it is. But yes, yes. Um, but we actually measure our fish. So our, our format is hybrid. It's basically five fish to the to the ramp, I mean to the scales. And then throughout the day, we measure those fish. So we'll take those measurements and count those fish, and they go. When you get to day two, you can either get into the top 10 by numbers of fish caught, scorables, or by weight. Okay. Those, those are the, the the two ways into the top ten. So um, it's a really excited format. And sometimes they plan us on lakes. They don't give us any time to pre-fish. We get zero. Here it is, you guys. You're gonna figure it out, and we compete right there. So it's been exciting to watch that show. By the way, it, the episodes are on Pursuit Channel. And then if you have a computer or a phone, you can get on to Outdoor Action, um, Outdoor Action dot. TV, I think is what it's called. And all the episodes are there. And um, you learn stuff. Um, we're Western anglers. So we've pulled some different rabbits out of the hat to make things happen. And so guys get to see that on camera. And I know I've talked too much already, man. <laughs> hey, no, that's all right. No, I, I, I'm one of those people that will listen to two hours worth of uh, info and, and get about as geeky as you can get about it. But no, that's, that's awesome. Um, uh, guys, um, if you want to check out any more about uh, a lot of those uh, uh, sponsors that he mentioned, I'll make sure I put some links in the uh, show notes for them as well. And uh, how about just your stuff, uh, David? Where can people find you? Yeah, so um, I'm on Instagram. It's pretty. I, I'm dual realis on Instagram. Instagram. Probably if you look David Swinside up, I'll come up. And then there's Apex um, underscore Apex Pro David. There, there's that uh, Instagram as well. On Facebook. Um, if you just if you put in David Swenson, I come up on on Facebook. There's also an Apex um, branch to that too. But um, it, it, listen, if I can help out, you guys, I I, I do get busy for sure. But um, if you do get on my Facebook, uh, you know whatever you do, like the post or whatever they do, they ask you to do, and you message me, just tell me who you are, what you're looking for, what's going on, who you're with. And, and if there's anything that I can help you with as far as questions, um, whether it's angling performance or, or baits or whatever, I'll do the best I can for sure. Awesome. Well, again, uh, thanks so much for coming on, David. It's, uh, I love your enthusiasm and, and you know, you, that your the heart is totally there and you wear it on your sleeve. And I love that about you because, uh, you know, I've been accused of the same thing myself. So, uh, it's a, a kindred spirit for sure. So again, thanks so much for coming on. Um, and, um, uh, guys, I'm, I'm going to tease this a little bit, but I'm, I'm hoping to have some stuff that I can, uh, uh potentially give out to you. So, um, we're going to work on that. So stay tuned for that. Um, and, um, we'll see what we can do, but, uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward to, to, uh, trying these soft plastics a little bit. Um, the Ned rig one specifically looks, uh, right up my alley. Um, but, um, we, we will go, uh, we'll, we'll see what we, where we go from there. But uh, again, thank you so much for coming on, David. I appreciate it, brother. Yeah, thank you. You guys take care out there and uh, keep this show going. You guys are doing an awesome job, for sure. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. All right. Well, guys, this has been the Bass Fishing for Noobs uh, podcast, uh, where we bring you the 
techniques, the tricks, and the tips to help you rip more lips. Be sure to tune in next time. Have a good night, guys. Thank you.